The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. We forfeit what we can get out of the now rather than what we can give to what and the who will come next. And so as a result, here's what we do. We, we take on instant gratification of the moment and we forfeit the unseen and unknown great and hope of the future for tomorrow. And none of this catches us off guard. You see, the, the instant gratification of today becomes the tyrant of, of tomorrow. You wanna know why this doesn't catch us off guard? It's because every single one of us wants to live for that very moment. We're a generation that thrives off the exhilaration and we love to live vicariously and adventurously through TV shows, social media, and gaming. Where we love all the excitement, we, we love all the stimulation, it's just that it doesn't motivate us any more to move, any more to be inspired. What's worse off is we have a generation right behind us that's following in our very same footsteps, but they, they have a dire and desperate need for a cause worth living for, a cause worth dying for. The only discrepancy is that they don't want to get off the couch long enough to actually want to live their lives for something beyond themselves. But I'm not here today to to say this generation is right and that generation is wrong and this generation can do better and that generation can do better. You wanna know why? It's because every single one of us desire that, that thrill-seeking, exciting kind of moment where we wanna do whatever we want to do regardless of who's gonna actually be affected by it in the long run where it seems like our goal in life is merely to arrive safely at death. And so we, we pursue pleasure rather than purpose. We pursue comfort rather than cause. And our main mission in life is, is to simply do this, survive until we die. Why? Because let's face it, life is short. You got to live it up right now. We can see it all over our uh, economics where we spend our children's tax dollars while we continue to kick the can of debt further and further down the road. So eventually, a future generation will have to inherit it and pick it up some other time. We live short-sightedly. We, we think small-mindedly. This was the, the same scenario. This is the same predicament that Nehemiah found himself in. Nehemiah was living far away from his city in a distant land in Persia under the, the rule of King Artaxerxes while his homeland had just been conquered by an enemy nation and now all its citizens are in exile. They're in slavery, but Nehemiah, he's living the good life. He's living large and in charge and he's living under the favor of the palace while his homeland is in complete destruction, complete ruins. Until he, get, he gets a, a report from his brother Hanani and this is what it says in Nehemiah chapter one, verse two and three. It says, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked him about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. There was no bright tomorrow. There was no future. There, there was no light at the end of the tunnel for the city. This nation had absorbed the full consequences of the defeat, the shame, the disgrace, the, the sin 
of a previous generation, and now this city, this nation, is in turmoil. It's in, it's in destruction. It's in ruin. But Nehemiah, he had a vision. He had a plan. And so he goes off to King Artaxerxes to ask for his favor to go back to his city to rebuild this wall. And so rebuild he did. He had a plan to rebuild the infrastructure, the safety, security, and stability of, of the city and to raise the, the well-being of the, the city and its citizens. And so King Artaxerxes gives him the go-ahead signal. He gives him his favor. And so he rallies together, Nehemiah rallies together all the citizens in Jerusalem, from the poor to seeing how they can serve, to the rich, to seeing what they can give to the political leaders and the religious leaders alike. Every single person did their part. And because every single person did their part, they accomplished the work in such a fast manner. It says that they completed this, this project in 52 days. The Bible says that they did it in God's speed and even nations around them, enemy nations started getting terrified, terrified at the sight of their work because they said clearly God's hands must be in this work for them to accomplish it so quickly. And so let's fast forward to the end. Let's see this story that's been set over 2,500 years ago. Now that the wall is complete, now that the work is finished, what happens next? So Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 1, this is what he, he makes a list of. He said, these were the priests and Levites who returned with Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and with Joshua, Amariah, Maluk, Hattush, Shekiniah, Rehum, Merimoth, Sarah, Jeremiah, Ezra, he continues to list a whole bunch of names. I mean, he keeps on going on and on and on about all these different individuals. And I got to admit to you guys that it seems really, really tedious for me to have to list all these names, let alone pronounce them. But what's most important about this laundry list of individuals is the sight that great and lasting work are done by individual people. The whole thing was accomplished by a community activity, but it took individuals taking responsibility for their community to say, I will do my unique individual part so I can, so I can be a, a part in, in playing this community activity for our city. So Nehemiah writes down a list of individuals who helped impact this land, who helped leave a legacy for individuals to follow, who helped rebuild this wall. So let's ask ourselves a question today. Do we have a list of individuals who's impacted our lives? Do we have a list of individuals who's left a legacy for us and for others? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it was a youth pastor. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a mentor. Maybe it was a, a father figure or a mother figure. Or maybe it was a, a brother or a sister. More importantly, let's ask ourselves this question. Do we know the individuals that would put us on their list? Who are you impacting? Who are you influencing? Are you influencing your spouse? Are you influencing your children? Are you influencing your neighbors and your coworkers? Whose list would you be on? So Nehemiah writes down the list of individuals that, that played a significant role in the rebuilding of this wall. And now that the wall is complete, it's party time, it's dedication time, and there is celebration in the air, there is music and the atmosphere, and the, the action picks up in verse 27, where it says, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication of 
songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals and harps and lyres. There, there was a party that was happening. There was joy that was filling the air. There was a different kind of sound that was going on. You can liken this, this sound, this kind of celebration to a Super Bowl winning team taking home the trophy to, to their homecoming parade. Now, just to, you know, squash someone else's parade for you Redskins fan like myself, that parade is probably not going to happen for another three decades or so, but we're still holding on to hope this year. But you can liken it maybe to the Chicago Cubs. And the city of Chicago, when it erupted in full joy as the Chicago Cubs finally stopped the curse and won the World Series after over 100 years. This, this was that kind of moment for the city of Jerusalem. This was a monumental kind of moment. This was a huge turn of events, especially from, from where they were at previous months ago, where Nehemiah is in complete mourning because of the destruction and ruin of this city because of a previous generation to now, he sees people laughing. He sees people being thankful. There's a city that's in complete celebration. And so what can we learn from this passage of scripture? What can we learn from their celebration? What can we learn from their finished work today? If you have something to write with, I want to encourage you to take some notes. In your program, there's a place to take notes. Also, if you're using your smartphone, your tablet device, if you have iOS, Android devices, here's my challenge and encouragement to you. Download the app. It's so much easier that way. Um, it's Lifehouse Church MD. Go to App Store. Download it right now. It's totally free. If it's free, it's for me. Make sure you do it and, and take notes on there. Also, if you're joining us online, there's a place in a sidebar where you can take notes because here's the principle that pops out from the pages of Scripture. Here's the principle that, that, that transcends time, that transcends generations, and it's this. Don't leave a legacy. Don't leave it. Live it. Don't leave a legacy. Live a legacy. Every single one of us, we desire to live our lives in that manner. That we live our lives in such a way that it matters for something great, something significant. We want to live our lives in such a way that our communities are impacted because we lived in them. We want to live our lives in such a way that the people around us are influenced because we lived by them. We want to live a life that's of great significance, unfortunately, None of us can live that kind of life on our own. You want to know why? Because you and I, we are hardwired with a nature that we were all born with that desires to live small-mindedly, short-sightedly, desires to say, I, 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 I want to live my life my way. It's all about me, and it's all about me feeling good right now. I don't care who's going to impact later on today or tomorrow as long as I feel good right now. And this kind of prideful, selfish lifestyle only leads us to destruction and ruin. Now, this is what biblical authors call sin. Sin is any thought, action, or intention that goes contrary to who God is, and the sin destroys us. It sabotages even the best of our intentions. It destroys us inwardly where our emotions feel like the whole world revolves around me and feeling good for this present moment, and destroys us mentally where our, 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 our mentality is small-minded, our living is short-sighted, and then it, all of a sudden it starts trickling down, and, and it starts destroying outwardly. Outwardly, our homes, our communities, our schools, our neighborhoods, our cities, and the people around us, our co-workers, our neighbors. And worse off, 
It destroys us spiritually. We would live separated from God and all things good. And so all this destruction, all this ruin, there's a price that's got to be paid for all this mess that's been made through sin. And the price is death. A death where you would live separated from God and destruction and ruin for all of eternity. So God, much like Nehemiah, he looks at our lives in destruction and ruin. His heart breaks for it, but he has a plan a plan to rebuild and reconcile us back to right relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus was sent to this earth, he had the sole mission to rescue us from this sinful lifestyle, this sinful nature. And so when he came, he gave us the reason to celebrate. Now that he's come, we have a reason to be thankful. We have a reason to rejoice. How? Why? Because all of our shame, our sin, our guilt, our failures, our defeat was heaped upon the life of Jesus and in his death. He defeated death once and for all. So that those that would believe in Christ by faith would be forgiven. Forgiven not so that we can continue to live small-minded or short-sightedly, continue to live selfishly or pridefully. No, no, no. We're, we're forgiven to, to live a new kind of legacy. See, just like we sang earlier, we have a resurrected king who resurrects us because he rose from the grave in power and through his resurrection, he grants us new life. The only way that you and I can live a legacy is by having a new kind of life. The legacy that you're seeing right now is based on the life that you currently have. But when Jesus gives you a new life, there's a new legacy that's, that's meant for you to live out and starts right now. And so how does he do that? The invisible eternal spirit of God makes his home into our spirit. And he gives us a new trajectory in our lives through repentance of our sin, saying, God, I'm going to turn away from this lifestyle and receive receiving his forgiveness through his son's sacrifice, we now have the ability to yield to the spirit of God that leads us and lives in us. It's not I who lives, it's not we who live, but it's Christ who lives in me now. So because of the spirit of God, we become part of the solution rather than the problem. So how do we live a legacy? I want to give you three complimentary thoughts today. And the first is this, to live a legacy we must make eternal values our present priorities. We must make eternal values our present priorities. So here's what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah rallies together all these individuals, but he didn't rally them together to just accomplish the rebuilding of the wall. That was, that's just a small goal. That's a 52-day kind of goal. But there was something much more that happened on day 53, on day 54, on day 60, on year 20. He wanted them to set their sights on something bigger than the rebuilding of the wall. He wanted them to set their sights on the future of their entire city. And so they not only rebuilt the wall, what they did was they, they realigned their entire city into the right spiritual formation, into the worship of God. So the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem is inseparable from the revitalization of an entire nation, Israel. These group of individuals right here in Jerusalem were challenged and charged to live a legacy, but they didn't know that what they were doing, God was starting to use as the building blocks to rebuild the revitalization of the nation around them. And so the work that we find in Nehemiah is lived on, passed on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years from now. The question I have for us what about our life right now would actually matter when we walk out these doors 10 years from now? What about your life would matter 20 years from now? 
What about your life would matter and would have great impact on the people around you and the community that you live in 40 years from now, 50 years from now? Let's think long-term. What about 100 years from now? So Nehemiah challenged them to live a legacy. And the only way that you and I can live a legacy is if we hand down to the next generation a greater kind of experience, an experience that's found only in the presence of God. And so for us, we can't base our lives off of how well we did. We need to start basing our lives on how well we passed off what we did so that the next generation can actually do it better. Because what the next generation needs is not a laundry list of how-tos. They don't need a laundry list of this is what you should not say, this is what you should not do, this is what you should say, and this is what you should do. That's not what they need. What they need is an invitation from this generation and saying, why don't you come alongside of me and experience the presence of God for yourselves? Why is that? Because your faith is the most valuable thing in your possession that you can hand off to someone else right now. So what is it right now that will outlast our city that we can start living today? Because it's one thing, let me tell you this, it's one thing for the next generation to see us praying for our city and its people. It's another thing for us to invite them and say, let's pray Let's pray for our city. Let's pray for our people. Let's intercede and let's call out to God for the needs and the things that, that's in, in great desperation for our city right now together. It's one thing for, for the next generation to see us serving our city and its people. It's another thing for the next generation to hear, come alongside of me and let's serve together the people who God loves it's one thing for, for them to see us raising our hands and lifting our voice in worship. It's another thing for us to say, let me invite you and I'll show you the reason why I worship. And I'll teach you how to worship God. We've got to be investors to the rebuilding of the walls in our city by praying for our city and its people, by serving our city and its people, by loving our city and its people. And it starts with an intentional invitation to the next generation. Say, would you come alongside of me and live a compassionate life with me? Let's call our, our city and our citizens, our friends and our families together to worship our one true God. And we have to challenge and charge the next generation and even ourselves to not grow complacent, complacent and live in a comfortable, easy, pleasurable kind of life. If we want to make a lasting legacy, that invitation starts today. We've got to make intentional the eternal values and make them our present priorities right now. So who are you inviting? Secondly is this, to live a legacy we must build what lasts. In Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 31, this is what it reads. It says, I had the leaders of Judah go up on the top of the wall, and I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on the top of the wall to the right towards the dung gate. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on the top of the wall, and together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, the two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God, and so did I, together with all half the officials. So we get a clear picture of what took place that day. It says that Ezra and Nehemiah were part of the two choirs. Now, I'm not sure if they sang alto, sang soprano. Guys can normally not hit those notes, but I'm not sure if they can carry a tune inside a bucket. But they had a reason to be thankful for. 
They weren't thankful because, oh, the work is complete now. It's time to chill, guys. 52 days, that's a lot of work. Now it's time to kick our feet up and not do anything else for the rest of our lives. No, you want to know the reason that they were thankful? Because after they rebuilt the wall, they built the house of God. They had a reason to thank God because the temple, the house of God, represented a place of sacrifice, a place of worship. The temple was a place that represented this is where people can meet with the resurrected king. This is the, a place where people can meet with an all-living, all-knowing, all-powerful God. And so fast forward to today. Every Christ believer, every Christ follower right now becomes the representation, the reason, and the response of worship and thanks to God. That's why God is not telling us to go to church. He's calling us to be the church. He's not telling us to make a list of what we need to do in order for us to do church. He's calling us to be, to be the charge, to be the change that people need to see. He's, he's calling us to be the response of heaven to our city. That means every Christ believer, every Christ follower right now plays a part and has a unique role in being for our city. The only way that you and I can build what lasts is if we build on what lasts. The psalmist says this in Psalms 127, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds his house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards watch over it in vain. Can I just tell you this morning that the needs, the answer to the needs and the problems of our city is not going to be found in a building. It's not going to be found in this, this new program that we're going to start. It's not going to be found in the church that you and I can build. It's only going to be found in the church that God can build. You want to know why? It's because the only lasting legacy of God in our city is the church. The only lasting legacy of God in our homes is the church. The only lasting legacy of, of God in our communities, in our schools, in our environments is the church. And what we've got to be willing to do is partner the values of the church with the needs of our city. The church right now has a long history of being rebuilders of cities. Here's a few examples. In 252 AD, the Corinthian church literally saved their entire village from the plague. How'd they do it? They didn't do it by hiding. They didn't do it by sticking their head in the sand. They didn't, they didn't do it by running away. What they did was they took in people that others have dragged out out of their cities because, because of their disease. In early 1100s, the churches and monasteries were the first hospitals, the first orphanages, the first safe refuges. As far as higher education goes, the first 110 universities in America, 100 of them, were based out of Christianity. Christ followers have donated billions of dollars, served lifetimes to nations of almost every part of the earth. The church right now is the single number one provider of health care and education in the entire world, especially the third world countries. Christ followers have donated millions and millions of pounds of food to impoverished countries like Africa, Asia, South America. And we fund missionaries to thousands of different places right now to start reading programs, feeding programs, clean water programs, to, to spread the message of hope of Jesus Christ, to share and show the love of God to those who are far away from him. That's not even scratching the surface of the legacy of the church. 
but that is a story worth passing on. That is a legacy worth living right now. Each and every one of us, we're called to be agents of change, to transform our city, transform our surroundings, transform our homes, transform our neighborhoods. That's why we don't cower against the world. We simply just change it. So here's my challenge and here's my charge to you today. Don't wait for the next big thing to happen. You, you be the power of God in your sphere. You be the bearers of the presence of God in your surroundings. You be the response, the reason of heaven and worship to God. You be that. Don't wait for the next individual to do something significant in your community. You ever wonder that while you're waiting for the right person to do the right thing, God is waiting for you to actually move? Change happens not by waiting. Change happens by leading. It happens by taking a step forward and say, I will get involved. If I see it, I got to be a part of it. Change happens when I say, I'll, I'll get in there. I'll, I'll volunteer. Send me, God, I'll go. You want to know how to live a legacy? Three letters, one word, yes. Just say yes. Yes to God. Say yes to being the, the solution to your neighborhood's problems, to your school's problems. Say yes to being the answer to the question of your city. Say, yes, God, I, I will be your voice. I will be your hands. I will be your feet. If you want to build what lasts, you got to build it on what lasts. And God is using our lives as, as the building blocks to rebuild his city because he is for our city. Lastly is this. To live a legacy, we must give sacrificially. So the entire chapter of, of chapter 12, it goes with the same kind of theme. And in verse 43, this is what it reads. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard from far away. Said so that, that God was the one that gave them great joy, therefore they rejoiced and they gave greatly sacrifices. Surely what, what Nehemiah did was he used that moment right there to provide future worship to the next generation by calling this generation saying, I want you to give generously. I want you to give sacrificially. And the response was overwhelming. When they recognized that living and giving would leave a lasting legacy of worship, they gave gladly. The only way that we can give gladly is when we realize it's not ours to keep. God, God's purpose was to give it to us so that he can give it through us. When we realize that our lives is not our own, then we can live our lives that is not about us. When we recognize it's God's story and not our story, it's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me, we can live a life that's not about us. And so we've got to answer the challenge of God today by living a life that writes an only God kind of story, by living our lives to give it completely away. So what about your life is worth passing on right now? Is it the gospel? Do you have the good news with you? Is it life change? Maybe it's life purpose. If right now you're saying, Pastor Jay, I'm drawing a blank here. I'm scratching my head and I'm drawing it nothing right now. That can change right now. Because just like what we see in Jerusalem, God was the one that gave them joy. Therefore, they gave greatly. I believe God has given each and every one of us the same thing. And it's called time. 
the most precious gift from heaven to us. It's God's gift to man. It's God's gift to us, and what we do with it is our gift back to God. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, I'm willing to give up the most valuable thing in my possession, which is my time. And I want to I wanna rework. I want to reprioritize my schedule so I can make time for what truly is important. People. The people that you love, the people that, that you sent your son to die for, the people that you want to be in, in relationship with. I want to make myself available. I want to invest my time in people. Here's a word that I want you to take out of your vocabulary. I want you to take out the word spend. Because for whatever reason, anytime we, we, we think of the word spend, I'm sure many of us have gone Black Friday shopping this week and spent a whole bunch of money that we probably shouldn't have spent. But... Take out the word spent because sometimes we start thinking that, that that means that we're losing something. But when you replace it with the word invest, it reminds us that what I'm going to get back is so much greater than what I've already put in. And we've got to invest into people. Not just quantity time, not just the amount of time that we have. I want us to invest quality time. It's the stuff that we're really pouring in to people. It's, it's our life story, our life change, our life purpose, our relationship and our faith in God. That's what transforms a generation because quality investment will inspire the next generation to carry the baton of selfless and sacrificial living. For us, we've got to be willing to give to the next generation. A, a cause that's worth living for, a cause better than uh, a six-figure income, a cause better than uh, a nice three-car garage or, or a nice car or a nice job. There's something better than that, but they'll never see that better if they never see that investment. They'll never see that better unless they get that invitation. So we have to invite to invest in order for us to inspire them to pay the price of any sacrifice so that they can sacrifice their former way of life for, for a greater good and a greater cause. We've, we've got to inspire them to live sacrificially, to give sacrificially, to, to serve selflessly. The book of Nehemiah says there was a joy, a joy that, that could be heard by others from a distant land, from far away, from men, women, and children alike. They all had this joy that God had given them sound that God had given them to make. If you, if you pardon my analogy for just a, a brief moment, what if this was true for us, not just geographically, but generationally? What if the joy that we experience right now, what if the sacrifice that we give right now, the legacy that we're living right now could be heard by our children? What if it could be heard by our grandchildren? What if it could be heard by our great-grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren, our great-great-great-grandchildren? But here's the catch. The only way the next generation will ever hear that sound is when this generation starts setting its sights on something bigger than today, something bigger than the pleasures of this moment and start setting its sights on a future, on a horizon. Nehemiah and all those individuals that helped rebuild this wall they set off a sound, a sound that broke every sound barrier of time, and it echoes right now to challenge us to live a legacy. What about our life right now and how we live and what we give would release that kind of sound that generations from now and generations after them and generations after them would hear, and it would echo and ring all through eternity? What would happen if we lived the legacy? 
during, during this message series, when, when we started, we, we told you guys that we were going to partner with 24 churches. And we said, what would, what would it look like if, if just the church of Hagerstown came together and said, what if we started speaking differently? What if we started saying things differently to our city? What, what, if, what if God really was for our city and we became the response of heaven? What would that look like to be the response of God, to love our city, to be for our city? You wanna know what living a legacy looks like? It looks like lives change and it looks like hearts transform. That's what only God can do, but it starts with every single person playing their part. Here's the challenge that you heard all throughout this experience. What if the end of this message series doesn't mean it's the end of the legacy? What if it's just the start of it? What if it's just, just scratching the surface? It's just the beginning of what God can do. What would happen if our young people, our students right now, start saying, I'm going to change the way that I live. I'm going to change the way that I act. I'm going to change the way that I speak. And all of a sudden, God starts using that to start using it as a building block to rebuild classrooms, to, to rebuild schools. And all of a sudden, generations and generations of students after that begin to no longer be depressed, begin to no longer have low self-esteem. They don't know why they're being loving and being kind to their students, but it took a group of individuals and said, I'm going to start today. I'm going to start living a legacy worth leaving behind right now. What would it look like if we started giving sacrificially? Sacrificially to our spouses, sacrificially to our children, sacrificially to our coworkers and our neighbors. What would it look like if you just gave like it doesn't make sense and you just gave cheerfully, you gave gladly. It doesn't matter if the marriage just looks like it's falling apart, it's in destruction and ruin, but God is starting to use that as a building block to rebuild your marriage, your home. It starts using that gift, starts using what you're giving as a building block to rebuild that relationship with your son, maybe a relationship with your daughter. It starts using what you're giving as a building block to, to change the sound in your neighborhood, to change the sound in your city, to change the sound in your workplace where all you heard was gossip before, now it's just peace. What if he starts changing the sound to what you're giving? What if we as a church... What if we as a church, we set off a different kind of sound, a sound of celebration, a sound of joy, a sound of thanksgiving that our city would listen to. Our city would hear and say, what is that sound? It sounds completely different from hate. It sounds completely different from bigotry. It sounds completely different from division. It sounds a lot like love. It sounds a lot like future. It sounds a lot like love. It sounds a lot like, I don't hate you. I love you. I'm not against you. I'm for you. What if God starts using that kind of sound and it starts changing? Come on. What if we are the sound bearers and we, we have the ability to create that ring, to create that echo that echoes and rings into eternity? What would happen if we made that kind of sound? I'm not sure what kind of sound your life is making today. I'm not sure where you're at and where, where life is taking you at this point. I can tell you this one thing, that the God that, that saw the ruins can also rebuild. That the God that saw destruction can turn it into destiny and dreams and hope and future. That's the God that we serve. That's the resurrected king that we serve. And maybe today you may have been living just for the pleasures of this moment, but today your legacy starts right now. 
It starts by saying, God, I place my faith in you. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, today is your moment. That's, that's where your legacy begins. It's allowing the Spirit of God to live in you so that he can live through you. Saying, God, yes, I repent of my sin. Yes, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. And yes, Lord, I want the leading and the living of the Spirit of God in me so that he can live a legacy through me. And here's the sound I want to make for you and with you. We want to celebrate that sound. We want to celebrate because God has raised you to life. So let us know in your program there's a place. Check the box saying today I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Bring that with you to the Race to Life banner. We just want to have a conversation. We just want to celebrate with you what God has done in your life. As we're singing this next song, maybe God is challenging you. Our prayer team is going to be out here on both sides of me. God is challenging you what you can give sacrificially. Is it your time? Is it your talent? Is it your treasure? What is it? Maybe God is challenging you in the one act of obedience of what you need to start living out today. What is it? I want to invite you to stand with us. Because today I believe that each and every one of us, we're given one thing to give today, and that's to, that's to give a sound of worship. That's to give a sound of praise to God. A sound of praise because our city needs a different kind of sound to hear today. Let 515 East Wilson Boulevard, Wilson Campus, make a sound that will change Wilson Boulevard. Change the south end of Hagestown saying, there is victory. I'm not sure what sound you're hearing. You may have been hearing the feet, but there's victory in the name of Jesus. And as we lift up the name, God is resurrecting and rebuilding ruins. Would you lift up a sound of worship this morning? Raise your hands, lift your voice, come on. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.